Hello, guys, uh, and welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you hitting on the button as ever. This one's going to be interesting. We're coming to you from the, the heart of what's called the square mile. Not that I know too much about the financial industry uh, near Liverpool Street in London. I think we're going to talk business, finance, fintech, basketball, football, uh, all sorts with uh, David Brayer, who I met at a Gary Vaynerchuk trainer release, I believe, about 18 months ago. Uh, David, how are you doing? Are you well? I've, been, um, I've watched your documentary. You've, you've had a big film out about the uh, financial crash. You've been in New York as well, opening an office. You look remarkably fresh. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. I mean, I think the freshness, I've had a nice week off, which has been lovely. Oh, you, so yeah. I'm, I'm nice, nicely sort of tanned right now. But uh, things are really good. Thank you. Where did you go? Did you have half term away with the kids? It was, yeah. I was basically chasing two kids around in uh, in a water park in Rhodes for a week, which was, was pretty wonderful, I have to say. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, it's, that's another string to, to all the boats, isn't it? Business and, and sport and fatherhood now is, and, and kind of uh, combining them all. First of all, supposed to start with with 11FS. You're the CEO uh, of the company we're sat in now in a kind of amazing barn, American-style kind of uh, financial uh, textile uh, place. It's, it's, it's remarkable. We've got the psychedelic giant lollipops downstairs and things <laughs> like that when you come in. Um, so it's it's up a place. But what does what 11FS do, if you could encapsulate that for, for a layperson sure. like me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, 11FS, we, we started really to try and bring about a different way of, of really rejuvenating financial services. Um, there's many people who spend billions of pounds in this industry and don't really achieve anything. And mm. what we're trying to do is bring about a uh, small team sports uh, mentality to allow people to start unlocking the potential of their people. So whether that's actually rethinking through technology or it's rethinking through uh, cultural transformation and process transformation. Uh, and actually the success that we've had over the last three and a half years is predominantly just been down to not really what we're doing, but the way in which we're making it happen. And that's hence the 11 FS. Is that actually a reference to, you know, because you get excited when you're a football fan and see 11, but is that a reference to team? Yeah, I mean, it's we we get asked a lot, you know, what's the name? Mm. Um, I mean, we've sort of looked at different things that it sort of pulls to, but yeah, I mean, 11 is one better than 10, which is a sort of a spinal tap reference for anybody who's ever seen the, <laughs> seen the, the, the rockumentary. Um, you know, 11, like you say, is a, you know, a, typical team sport in terms yeah. of the, the size from a football p- perspective. But, you know, really for us, it was about just straying outside of that that norm. You know, if everybody else is looking at one to 10, then and you can push beyond that, then that's usually where the, the real sort of interesting things are to play with. That's interesting. And um, with, with fintech, it's, the documentary is about fintech, the rise of that after the crash of 2008. How would you, how would you define fintech? Is it because is it sort of people think of apps and things like that for, for people online banking in different banks entering the entering the fray yeah for me it's um i mean banking is uh, you know it's a 300 plus year old uh, you know industry you know people have been around for a long time and they've been hugely successful over that period you know mergers and acquisitions and consolidating multi multi-billion pound organizations hmm. um but really in in many instances lots of the major high street organizations have kind of lost their way a little bit you know they've lost that sort of loving feeling for what it was that they started the organizations for way back when. Um, And really what's happened is through, you know, since the financial crash that happened in 2008, particularly the government and the regulator in the UK have been so proactive to bring about real change in the industry. And actually that's allowed new organizations who are much more technologically advanced, 
um, much more aligned to how consumers want to actually consume these things. Mm. Um, and fintech has really sort of risen from those ashes, essentially. So, you know, we've seen players like Monzo or Revolut come to the fray and, and acquire millions and millions of customers. Um, and really, what I, I, in all honesty, I think what they're doing is just having much better um, empathy for customer problems, being much more authentic in terms of how they talk to people. Mm. Um, and with that, they're able to just create a service that actually helps people manage their, their financial lives rather than just punishes them for not doing it well. It's interesting that, isn't it, with, um, with, with you say the empathy, because actually the in sort of intuitive response to technology is that it's almost, you know, kind of not human-like, that it's mm. distance, that we're sort of removed and it's ethereal. But actually, um, you're saying that it's actually an understanding and a closer communication in a way that's brought about by technology. So in a way, it's more human than, than the previous setup. Yeah, I mean, I think you can use any communication method badly. You know, you can, I mean, some of the all caps text messages I get from my mum, you know, uh, not how you should use those things yeah. to, you know, I don't think she is shouting at me. It's just how she sends text messages. I had a friend that did that as well, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, like actually big organizations have just, you know, through, you know, all of their comms being passed through regs teams and risk teams and all those things, um, the way in which they communicate is not human friendly. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, instant messaging or being able to access a bank when you want to, meaning, you know, not at 3 p.m. on a Thursday when you're actually at work, <laughs> but 24-7 at the weekend. These are just things that actually other industries you expect. Um, and just because financial services is, you know, a slightly more regulated industry doesn't mean that the service shouldn't be there. You know, it's yeah. called financial services. There should be services, right? Yeah. Yeah. And traditional bricks and mortar in a way is suffering, as I know, because they've closed local banks for Lloyds, people like that, mm. who, I, who I bank with. And actually now when you do go to try and get an in-person experience, you're usually waiting for yeah. for 20 minutes at a time. So yeah. I guess something receptive and responsive is is good like that. With the, the, sporting, the sporting reference, we sort of bonded initially over a Norwich City. I know that you're a fan and we talked about that the first time we met um, and my coincidentally it's interesting as you move around as a kid and my dad was a doctor we lived in Kings Lynn for a good time my first big football game was Norwich I think it was Norwich at home to Everton in sort of 1987 1988 I was five or six or something nice. at the time I remember my dad talking about Robert Fleck and his chest control um, but was, was Norwich a big thing for you growing up or was it basketball because you told me last time we met that basketball was a huge part of your childhood yeah I mean I'm not, not originally from Norwich I moved there when I was five but I mean I'm season ticket holder now I go to every game uh, you know every home game um, I, I mean let's talk about last season rather than this season if you don't mind but, <laughs> we're uh, still in the Premier League though we are I mean we're I'm, hopefully by the end of the year we'll still be there as well yeah. I mean the I feel like we play good football you know we're, we're going about it the right way you know Farker has come in and, and made a real team there yeah. there is a great culture there's really good work ethic um, and actually he's managed to uh, both him and Stuart Webber actually the um, the uh, what is he sporting director yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, has both brought about amazing buys you know bringing in we've got players like Bundia who we got for a million pound who mm. is just such an amazing amazing Argentinian magician, you know. Puki, who we got for a free, who scored, what, 29 goals last season? Yeah, and was never thought of as being that sensational when he was at Celtic a few years ago. And I think it just shows it's like actually with the right environment, you can get the best out of people, which, mm. if I'm honest with you, we take a lot of those laterals to what we do as yeah, well. You yeah. know, there's such a, a, massive, um, a massive thing for us with what we do with 11FS, which is uh, culture and self-awareness. Uh, how can you, we, we talk a lot about unleashing talent, yeah. you know, how can you create the environment, how can you create the, 
um, the capability for people to be able to do the best work that they've ever done. Um, and if I'm honest with you, that's something I've always been super frustrated with myself anywhere I've worked. There's that 50% of your brain dealing with all the nonsense. But how can we focus people on the yeah. stuff that really, really matters? Uh, and it's really made a difference for us. You know, it's why with only 150 people were winning work from companies that have got hundreds of thousands of pieces, of, uh, mm. hundreds of thousands of people. Because I think it's potential is like is great, but unless you can Oops, unlock sorry. that potential, you're, you're never going to benefit from it. It's fascinating, that, actually, because that is relevant to sports, relevant to our lives, working as a broadcaster, which is effectively a performance thing. I know that with different bosses, different people around you, I perform better with presenting in different sports. I know that in football, I think the classic case that people look at now is people like Mo Salah, mm-hmm. who was at Chelsea a couple of few years ago, and Kevin De Bruyne, who was at Chelsea a few years ago, under Jose Mourinho, which um, you know people like him and love him, and his record stands up, but ultimately not been given much respect and, and the sort of enthusiasm for developing young players. Mm. But now you see these guys, arguably two best players in the Premier League a few years later, would they have had that opportunity before? I mean, is that, that's an, in, an interesting example, isn't it? What is it about the culture? Is it knowing individuals? Is it nuanced or is it more a, a general approach, a relaxed approach to, to getting people? I mean, I mean for me, it's, um, it's uh, the difference. There's, there's very, uh, a very large amount of laterals between sports and business but then there's some really distinct differences as well. You know, like actually, if you look at Jose Mourinho's management style, he is uh, probably the ultimate results-focused manager. Mm. Uh, you know, he'll be there for two or three seasons. He'll win a thing, a couple of, but he might leave the place in disarray <laughs> after that. That's intense. Uh, yeah. Whereas actually, somebody like uh, Pep Guardiola, uh, in terms of what he's done at Man City, is actually bringing about more of a system, bringing about more. Uh, sustainability you know every every team that Man City has whether it's the youth team or uh, you know New York Mm. or wherever all work to a similar system so they have a just a very different uh, viewpoint on what success is Um, and a big part of that for me is in the business context is I mean if you don't tell people how they should behave or the context of it or you know, actually, what is expected from them from a values perspective? Then you can't expect them to be that or not be that. Mm. Um, it's like in a football sense, the player is not understanding the offside rule. You know, <laughs> like you need to know that to be able to be really effective in terms of how to to sort of play the game. But um, I mean, to your point, my my background before uh, before business was was very much more sporting. You know, I played eleven county sports and eleven. Did, uh, yeah, I mean, well, that's uh, phenomenal. And uh, I mean. I'm suffering with my knees now, I'm not going to lie, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, everything from athletics to rugby to badminton, basketball, swimming, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. So um, so you get supportive parents then to, to run you around to all that stuff? Yeah, I, my mum and dad both uh, spent a lot of Saturdays and Sundays uh, in the in the rain watching me do something something random, but, um, but it was good. And, and if I'm honest with you, I learned way more in that sense about uh, team and motivation and the difference between... Uh, managers and leaders, the difference between uh, actually people who can really pick people up from a motivation perspective. And yeah. and if I'm honest, again, the, the thing that we try to do in with what we're doing with 11FS is bring a lot of that in because most corporates work in annual cycles. They work in, you know, here's your objectives for the year. They work in, mm. um, you know, motivating everybody in a similar sense. You know, I'm, I'm often, um, I often quote the, the Nigel Clough piece of, you know, you can get whooped 5-1 and <laughs> every single person coming off that field needs a different type of motivation. You know, yeah. somebody will need a shouting at, somebody will need a pat on the back, you know, yeah. somebody will need to be told that they were unlucky or that was the best game you ever had. And, and actually, I think good managers know 
what the gaps are in the people and how to motivate the individuals. Um, so it's setting good objectives for the team. Yeah. And I think it's understanding individuals and what makes them tick. Yeah, so it's interesting that with the, the nuanced approach as well, the stick and the carrot, because um, it was almost a time when we were probably young at the same time playing in sport. You get the, a lot of the old school people in, in local sport to be shouting, you ain't doing it, mm. you know, get stuck in. And it's, it was no sort of subtlety to it. And actually over a while, that just becomes just noise, doesn't it? And actually yeah. you're almost fighting to, against their presence to, to, to stay and perform rather than being enhanced by it. Do you know, it's really interesting as well to sort of see how, um, you know, I've got um, uh, Josh, my uh, seven-year-old boy, he uh, has just started playing football mm. and to see the the tactics of the coaches that he's got to bring, he's not naturally a sports player, you know, he, mm. he, uh, he really wants to do it, but isn't really motivated in the same way as he would do if I mean I remember just like going and doing it and running around and not thinking about it too much <laughs> I think it was I was too dumb to think about it too much whereas I think he's smart enough to be like why am I doing this what's going on yeah and actually the coaches are using um, more positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement to to get him to interact and move and make that those things happen which I think is just really smart again it's kind of it's understanding the individual that makes them uh, make the best of what they yeah. can do. Um, and I, if I'm honest with you, I, the thing I really always like about sports is, you know, win, lose or draw, it's about moving forwards. Mm. Um, very often people can get just overly hung up on what has happened in the last sense, you know. I mean, and again... So living, other, living in the moment, that kind of concept really is pertinent to football, isn't it? And, yeah. and sport, anything really. I mean, if, um, if you're a player of any sport, whether it's, like say, football or basketball or wherever, you know, actually if you dwell too much on something that's happened in the last game or the fact that you missed the last shot... Um, you know, I, I I love that it's as much about psychology as physiology. You know, yeah. you're you're very much able to really uh, magnify the the opportunity and the benefit, the accentuate the positives in terms of what people are great at doing. Mm. Um, you know, the, we we sort of take a, talk about it here from our the way in which we look at performance management. But you wouldn't expect a you know a, an attacker and a defender to be. Uh, uh, assessed on exactly the same things, you know, your your goalkeeper and your striker yeah. act in completely different ways. So why would the training be the same? Why would be the performance management be the same? Why would you expect the same things from all of those players? You just don't do that in sports, but yeah. businesses they do. It's really weird. And I think generally the concept as well within sports, which with the kind of traditional archaic version, maybe in business as well, is this sense of. I, you know, making people happy mm. and is actually a negative thing. They should be treating me and keep them keen. And actually, I think I don't have your experience, but most people in sport, if they're happy in the moment, if they're joyous, actually usually perform better rather Completely. than being attritional and yeah. trying to kind of force things through. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a real. Um, I think in sports, there's a great tension with that because it's um, there is some competition. You know, yeah. you're you're a team, you're together. It's all about the uh, the objective. You can be very clear on the fixtures and mm. like when you're playing and when you're training and but and then I think there's real transparency and feedback about what you need to improve and it's much more quantitative you know you can see what your heart rate is you know if yeah. you're fit you can see what your you know 100 meter sprint time is that's all quantitative there's no uh, nuance or uh, you know guesswork in it yeah um, but do and, you feel confident and relaxed in the moment to, to make that pass isn't it that's the thing that's well, that, interesting and, to it. And, and that's the sort of balancing there in it is that um, I mean you know four bad games and you can get dropped from the team mm. um, and actually I, I honestly think almost people aren't brave enough sometimes to make those decisions in the business world. You know, definitely if you look in really big corporate organizations, there are people who have been there for, you know, 25, 30 years who 
um, the organization just hasn't developed that ability to you know, uh, hire and fire based on the, the values mm. and the culture that they want to create, which is why most big organizations just have problems with culture. So uh, like lack principles and a structure, you think, in that sense? Or really just actually, um, if they have defined them, really living by them. Mm. Um, I kind of think there's no point having a value that you never live up to. It's like saying you're a vegetarian and always <laughs> eating steak, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, that would be a, that would be a problem, wouldn't it? That's why I've, I've never committed to veganism. I don't think it'd be uh, too difficult sometimes when when protein uh, calls you. It's it's interesting with with that structure and, and the approach to football as well because it, performance versus results with sport and business is interesting because it's nuanced. With us, a couple of games ago, I'm a Manchester United fan. The press was saying, "How long is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got? He's now won three games on the spin. Is he a different manager than he was then? I don't know. Is something gone in the breaks in the game? Is something starting to come to to fruition? And I suppose for you as well, if you've got client of, of, of your employees going out trying to procure business mm. they might be doing a fantastic job but for whatever reasons there's other factors they're not quite getting it mm. whereas sometimes you might have a chance who goes and <laughs> secures a big deal without the performance so how, do you sort of try and look for performance assessments rather than just bottom line and numbers yeah for sure i mean we um bizarrely we we perversely spend so little time and i spend so little time focusing on revenue mm. um i think what we're really trying to do is establish a uh, kind of a long-term business rather than the short-term views of it. And if I'm honest with you, I, I, again, I, I think a good lateral into sports. I mean, mm. most most big organizations in that sense are looking for the, it's the heritage and the legacy of the club rather than necessarily just the the win now. Because, yeah. I mean, you are, you are only really ever as good as your last result to a certain degree. Uh, I mean, Norwich beat Man City this season, <laughs> but we lost to Man U, didn't we, this weekend? Yeah. So, I mean, we you can't rest on that that heritage and those victories. Yeah, where's the truth about Norwich? Is it the win over the, the champions who, are, who have record points halls the last couple of years? Or is it or is it five games without a win? Is Daniel Farke, what's he judged on? It's difficult, isn't it? Because Agreed. he's probably still doing the same process. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the season it is when you sort of can be judged to a certain mm. degree. Um, but uh, but I think I, I think in terms of the like say the the you can't have uh, spikes of performance you you have to have consistency you've got to have form but equally I think it's actually understanding the makeup of teams as well you know I, I not wanting to keep using too many sporting metaphors no it's but, good though it's I mean if you sport and life is the name of the podcast yeah, I mean so, yeah. if you if you played uh, eleven strikers on the pitch because they were the best you know eleven <laughs> you wouldn't it wouldn't work out particularly well you might score quite a lot of goals but you'll concede a huge amount which um, I mean Norwich is doing at the moment actually um, <laughs> well as Farker is entertaining isn't he, he goes for it he doesn't leave anything he to chance he sort of you know lives lives here and now yeah I mean with with Farker it's been really interesting because I, th- I think we've been almost in a situation where we inherited some of uh, so we had Angus Gunn come on loan from yeah. Man City for son of Brian Gunn uh, legendary yeah. Yeah. he got a very great uh, great reception of the uh, and actually his dad was uh, I think probably the most proudest you've ever seen a dad <laughs> by seeing him sort of fill, it, fill out the goal where he was before. But um, I think we sort of inherited a lot of the playing out from the back and everything from what Man City was trying oh, to okay, do. Oh, okay, because the goalkeeper that sets that in motion, yeah. Um, and actually, I mean, Farker's just taken that and sort of moved further and further on with it. But, uh, yeah. I mean, again, to your, to your point, in the business context then, you know, absolutely, there's, there's objectives and there's direction and there's things that you need to do. Um, but it's not the most important thing for us. You know, obviously the business needs to be in a situation where it's sustainable and survive, uh, surviving. But I see, if I'm honest with you, I feel like revenue's like the sun. If you, mm. you can't look directly at it. Uh, <laughs> but if you are aware of it being there, you can benefit from the warmth. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, Gary Vaynerchuk one, I listen to Joe Rogan, I listen to one called The Art of Charm, actually. It was two chaps based in California who talk about at a networking edition. It was on the same theme, actually. Rather than going be transactional, you actually build relationships and just see what happens down the line. It's almost yeah. that process, isn't it, of, mm. of being open open to things. And with I think about with Norwich as well, and, and it's kind of the cult in the Premier League in particular now. And sometimes it's it sort of um, blows your mind to watch it. When you see, I remember Tottenham earlier in the season were trying to play out from the goalkeeper and Arsenal were on the edge of the box in the North London derby, just robbing the ball off them and having mm. pot shots of goal because they've gone really far into risk. They're happy yeah. to risk playing out. I mean, is that something that you, that you think about in, in business terms? Because, of course, you've got the documentary on the financial crash. That was perhaps people doing over overly risky things at the time. Yeah, I mean, and within financial services, I think there's a real um, disconnect in terms of what we've just been talking about. There are... Um, there is such a, uh, you know, there's been heydays of, of financial services where the share prices have gone through the roof and mm. shareholders are now expecting those types of returns, which puts just an normal amount of pressure on uh, the banks to focus on short-term revenue opportunities rather than really being in a situation where there's long-term uh, sustainability of those businesses. Mm. Um, I think all of this comes back to, I mean, businesses are not bad. You know, there are no bad businesses, but there yeah. is the wrong incentives placed on humans who will then act in the wrong way. Um, you know, you, <laughs> you've seen Wells Fargo in the US create, you know, because of the wrong incentives, there was employees creating fake mortgages because it it filled their quota of sales. Yeah, people know. who had no jobs getting yeah. mortgages. Yeah, I mean we've all had those random "Have you been sold?" Uh, missold PPI kind of phone yeah. calls, and I mean again that was just the wrong incentives being put on people to to sell a thing that they didn't really believe in. And, yeah, well, uh, uh, you know people are just people. I think inherently most people are good people. But most people in an isolation thing, if you give them the wrong incentive, will behave in the wrong mm. way. Um, so there is, a, I think, a real responsibility for you know, football clubs or businesses to create the environment of transparency of actions. Therefore, these types of things can't go unchecked or unmonitored or uh, you know, nobody can not be aware of these things. Mm. Um, but also just to create the right type of mo uh, motivation for people, either whether it's uh, you know, financial law, whether it's just the, the ways in which they uh, reward people or promote people in the, within the club uh, or the company. <laughs> well, it's difficult with, with uh, individual things as well, like the mortgage company as well. You think, why are people accepting mortgages if they didn't have a job? But then why are people eating junk food? Why, why are people's health suffering? It's, it's yeah. that individual responsibility sometimes is lacking and perhaps we need the structure around it to, to keep people to keep people safe. What about basketball with you? Because it's slightly different to football in the sense I always think you played and you played point guard, didn't you? Yep. Which is the kind of brains and the, the yep. engine, the mitochondria of the team. But it's it's a different sport in the sense that we see with people like when we were growing up, Michael Jordan, LeBron James now, that an individual can have such a huge mm. influence on a, on a team, can't they, in, in that sport? Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... It's less. I, I was the reason I loved basketball was it was just such an expressive thing. You mm. know, it's uh, you kind of can't play basketball without being fully ingrained in the culture of basketball. And actually, everything that's around it is. I think it's as ac uh, expressive as dance. You know, yeah. which I'm terrible at. <laughs> so that's that's my version of being able to sort of dance. Is the it's not really just about um, scoring baskets and, and and winning games. It's about really making that thing look good and being very expressive in terms of actually how you, you do it. So mm. um, so for me, I mean, basketball was just a, a great sport to do. But as you say, I, I mean, I Michael Jordan 
uh, for me is just a phenomenon. You know, like actually yeah. transcending not only uh, the game, but actually you know the physics. <laughs> yeah, I mean physics, but also like actually the Jumpman brand that's been created around him mm. uh, is not just now a basketball thing, but. There are, I mean, PSG wear the Jumpman logo, not yeah. the Nike logo. Yeah. And I mean, there's a there's a lady this year who was uh, sponsored by Jordan for the U.S. Open. Uh, so there's, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's almost become a more of a uh, a cultural icon than necessarily just a sporting icon, which yeah. which I think is just an amazing thing. Well, he's, I guess, he's a role model for anyone in any industry because it's that that relentless pursuit of of getting better, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. he, he had himself on a rack as a kid, didn't he, to get even taller and things like that, and the well, he, I mean, practice that he put in. Yeah, I mean, he got dropped from his high school team, you know, and and I think that's I think that's the thing, if I'm honest with you, is I personally, from my perspective, the thing that I've brought into business from sports mostly is. Um, natural ability is great, mm. but it takes hard work. Um, and there's no there's no walk of life, whether it's business or if you want to go play football, you want to go play basketball, whatever. Yeah. Um, you don't just turn up and be good because it's a uh, you can be a great individual, but actually it's as much knowing about when to pass the ball and how to work as a collective as a team. Uh, that it is anything, you know. Yeah. And most, I mean, most of anything in life is just really, do you apply yourself or not? Really. Yeah. Um, I learned that reasonably late, if I'm honest with you. Um, having been sort of quite naturally good at sports, I I kind of was able to ten uh, percent effort, ninety percent get into natural. the eleven county teams. Yeah, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. And it was good because I could sort of turn up and do those things. Um, and it was only really when I sort of stepped outside of sports and went from I mean I, I when I sort of people listening tore my all three ligaments in my left knee wow uh, so that was like sporting done basically so yeah. moved from sports science and human biology to do business and computing and maths um, thankfully uh, this same year my dad bought me a basketball when I was five he'd also bought me a Amstrad 1512 computer wow. so I'd kind of been like closet geek all the way through <laughs> it a little bit um, but making that switch uh, it was really about, I, you know, I remember vividly, I did an undergrad in computing uh, degree. I re really vividly remember sort of coming out and having given minimum effort, yeah. realizing I'd missed such a massive opportunity to really do something and, and be something. Um, and decided to go and do a master's to try and put that right. Um, and literally the only difference between my undergrad and my postgrad was I decided that I was going to try harder than anybody else around me. So that's a competitive uh, element you got from sport. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It was um, really just about applying myself. You know, actually, um, you know, the in exercise, you know, you're at the gym. It's not the first five reps that give you the benefit. It's the last three when you're struggling. Mm. Um, and for me, it's the it's the same thing. I've just applied myself as as much as I can to to anything that I've done. You know, I, I sort of joke that living in Norwich has been really beneficial because. Uh, with average intelligence, but a four-hour <laughs> round commute, yeah. you start looking really good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I did, and I, I mean, I went from a two-one on my undergrad to getting a double first on my masters, and wow. I've just kept that momentum of of just trying really hard all the way through. And it's interesting as well what you have to fight because sport is is considered cool, isn't it? In in most cultures in the West, at least, and mm. and uh, it's something to to aspire to. But maybe computing wasn't, but that seems to be changing, doesn't it? There's a shift now in society where I think. Because of the internet, we're, we're, we're shown and meet people like you. I've done that. And you meet people who are successful in different industries 
and you start to recognize hard work and success as a kind of mm. as a as a currency rather than a particular industry that's that's glamorous yeah i mean i mean i think there's a, a real rise of the geek you know mm. like actually <laughs> from a you know from a computing perspective uh you know and actually we've seen it with tech companies become so successful you know the the googles the apples mm. the microsofts of the world you know steve jobs and bill gates were the the equivalents for you know for the michael jordans and the you know the paul gascoins you know i mean it's just like that um that sort of pinup of success in that sense mm. has led to a lot of people really sort of getting into this. You know, fin fintech now is really one of the hottest industries that's that's in the UK. You know, there mm. are billions and billions of investment kind of going into this space, and it's uh, fundamentally it's changing the lives of billions of people globally because actually it's bringing about a much better way of doing financial services for people. So, I mean, in terms of its um, its cool factor. Um, you know, well, you've got trainers out and stuff, haven't you? As well, it's a brand. I mean, we do swag in a real sense, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, and 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 again, it's uh, just part of bringing the team together. How do we do? Get that camaraderie. How do you build a in, in the way a football club would do? How do you build a community around everything that you're doing so that people kind of get behind you and support you with what you're doing? Mm. Um, you know, things like we, you know, we do the same as you. We have a podcast, which is great, and actually it allows us to sort of speak to people globally that have an affiliation for the types of things that we're doing. And, uh, and that, that works for members of the public as well. I've listened to that and it's, it's ma mainly comprehensible. It's not too esoteric, which I suppose is key. I mean, we try and keep it light and have fun with it, really. But, um, I mean, yesterday I had a... Um, uh, rocket scientist on talking about <laughs> the uh, pro progressive um, 40,000 rockets that are being put, um, satellites that are being put into space by Elon Musk to do global Wi-Fi. So we wow. find great people to come on, you know, CEOs of banks, but also, I mean, we've had Gary Vaynerchuk on, we've yeah. had, uh, you know, uh, people like the Deputy Mayor of London and various different people to come in and just, in fact, actually will I am about, what, two, three months ago now, which was great, his views on artificial intelligence and everything that is happening in that space. So we just use it as an excuse to talk to fun people. Basically. Yeah, so much change, isn't there? And it's interesting how those people cross over, like Will I Am, into, into that realm and the, the application of his his uh, musical talents and, and into... Genuinely you know, one of the nicest people I've ever come across. Really? Yeah. And that's I'm, a big factor, isn't it? It seems that there's more and more nice people and it seems sincere because... Like people like Gary Vaynerchuk, to a certain extent, he's uh, he's got a slightly kind of brash style to him. But actually, over the course of time, he's on camera and documented so much that he must be a pretty nice guy because otherwise, it's a it's a twenty four seven act. A hugely genuine guy. I mean, having seen him in, we've been in a bunch of meetings with with banks together, and actually, uh, just a master class in actually communication. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah. he's, he's yeah. a super, super smart guy. But I, I mean, it's, it's. I find, again, going back to the humans generally are nice people, you know, mm. and actually if somebody's will I am or whether it's, you know, somebody just coming out of university, there's a lot of commonality there. Um, you know, actually with will I am, it was just weird for me. Like I listened to the Black Eyed Peas a lot when I was in college. <laughs> so that was, that was just kind of bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's weird with um, the way things have changed as well for you. It's, it's got this expansion. You've got an office in New York, which just managing it all, because you can have your values, you can have your interpersonal skills, but obviously time and energy becomes difficult. How do you lead a team? I think about Premier League squads have got bigger, but American football's always been the one that astounds me, how their head coaches keep in touch with, what, 80, 90 players potentially they've got on their books. Do you, is, it, is it difficult now? Is it maybe harder than it was when you first started to, to keep that connection with everyone? Um, I, I think it's... Um uh, you know, I, n I never think on a football team that the the manager is everything and everything. Mm. You know, actually, it's about they always have a, a fantastic team behind them. You know, 
specific position specific coaches yeah and, i yeah. mean actually i mean with the we're talking about michael jordan and the chicago bulls you know phil jackson who was the manager during the absolute peak of their period had Actually, I think it was like 15 people in the back office who was managing all of the things, either from an analytical perspective or even down to a psychological perspective mm. in terms of the players, you know. So I think um, for me... Yeah, big Shaq as well, which is... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, well, at the Lakers, the yeah. Lakers, yeah so, I mean, yeah. For, for me, um, actually, it's it's just about good hiring. Um, you know, we have a phenomenal people of, a group of people who genuinely like each other meaning actually that they're not in competition with one another we're really trying to establish the best thing that we can do and uh, you know continually I think these things are about isolating them so mm. you know whether you've got you know 15 people or 1500 people it's about continually making everything a small team sport um, if you can break things down to a smaller group and that group have you know passion and purpose in terms of what they're doing you can achieve anything we mentioned Jose Mourinho, and, um, and it's interesting what he often did was champion certain individuals like Frank Lampard and the mm. Grandis, then brought the best out of them. But perhaps people, when he was at, in, in, uh, with Inter Milan, Zlatan and Ibrahimovic, he didn't get on with more egocentric players. How do, you, how do you manage that? Do you need some of that sort of charismatic flair and people that are a little bit ego-driven within the balance? or Is yeah. it just important for you to treat everyone the same and be, be fair as possible? So I think, um, I mean, we, we sort of say here, it's like um, one of our values is about embrace your weird. Uh, you know, actually, everybody needs to be in a situation where they uh, both embrace what they're really weird about, whether it's technology or product management or design mm. or regulation or whatever. But there's a big part of that which is respecting other people's weird as well, because I think the the issue that you can have with people who are um, maybe too self, you know, like say egotistical in terms of things yeah. is. Um, you know, Zlatan is amazing. Well, I've just, re- just realised I've got that wrong because it's actually Pep Guardiola who ditched Zlatan. It wasn't Jose. Jose is actually, of course, a champion of Zlatan because he joined up at Manchester United. That's, right. that's the confused the narrative, but yeah. But, but somebody like Zlatan is amazing, but I actually think b- below the bravado, he's actually a very good team structure yeah. as well. Very professional. I mean, he's kept himself uh, seems, late 30s Seems player. surprisingly humble as well, you know, <laughs> given, given the sort of bravado of the, you know, panto version of him. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a big thing there where nobody's bigger than the team. Mm. Um, you know, I think if you look back at, uh, you know, great managers like Alex Ferguson, actually, the thing that he always managed to keep in check, whether it was, you know, altercations with David Beckham or yeah. whatever. Yeah, Stam left after writing a book. Yeah, yeah, I mean, nobody is bigger than the team. So while, and, and the, you know, the thing about legacy for Man United or whoever, or the Lakers or whatever, is that the, the team will be there forever, but the individuals will be there for a period. Um, and so for me, um, you know, this is why values and why the, the sort of culture is so important, because you want that to be forever. Mm. Um, you want to win a deal today. You want to uh, you want to be able to be you know successful in this quarter or you want to do it in the right way and not exactly. not get short term. Hundred percent. Yeah, because if you if you win a big deal but the other t- party loses or something like that, then ultimately they're not well, gonna be, it's not long term. I mean, if you win a big deal but you do it at the sake of your values or you win some work that actually doesn't relate to the types of work or the types of people you want to work with. Yeah. Um, it's why revenue for me is the. Um, it's a, a hygiene factor. It's not the thing that you look to do. You know, we're we're established to change the fabric of financial services, and we're going yeah. to do that by working in the best way with the people who we can be the most impactful with. Um, that doesn't mean just doing any work with anybody. We're being really picky about the people we work with because um, because we can. You know, and mm-hmm. actually, 
that's um, you know that's not slatten levels of uh, <laughs> of kind of egotistical nature. It's um, you know I don't expect a, a statue anytime soon, but you know it's one of those things that I just feel like it's like you've got to stick to your values because yeah. if you let them go, you're never going to get them back. I know times times pressing. We're almost uh, up, but I wanted to ask you just quickly about sport and basketball because you played, I believe, for the London Towers, didn't you? And you had a a good career. I've always been fascinated with that because I used to shoot around a bit, mainly played football and rugby at school, but we'd have break time, we'd shoot, and then I I went to the States and I, I reported on high school basketball and went to, uh, I did game announcing at Worcester Wolves in the EBL Division One, the English Basketball League. They're now in the, the, the BBL, the big one. Um, but it, I've always been surprised because it is genuine world sport, which probably along with football can claim mm. that status when you think about the number of countries that do it. Well, it hasn't become bigger in England. We've got the NBA now on Sky Sports where I work and the BBL seems to be increasing in, in, in kudos a little bit. But I've, always, I've never worked out why it hasn't been more popular, particularly in the winter when you can play indoors and things like that. What's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, um, I think it is really, really, it is a really, really popular thing. I've never really understood why the English leagues have not been as successful as they, yeah. they should. You know, the towers obviously folded up and there's various different teams who have sort of come and gone. Yeah. But I mean, I think the, the NBA particularly is just such a, a pinnacle. I mean, if you go to Spain, you know, Spanish football is really, really big, you know, and actually, uh, you know, Madrid and Barcelona have real tight affiliations from football to basketball over there. Yeah, um, Lithuania is huge, isn't it? Yeah. Greece is big as it well. It is, and but I, I, Asia. I, I, I don't really know why it hasn't got so big because actually it's played in all of the uh, high school. Every high school seems to have yeah. a basketball court now, and and actually there was a real push probably late 90s, early 2000s with, you know, outdoor courts everywhere for, yeah. you know, you don't have to go too far in any area of London right now. They actually do need a hoop. Football. That's the only difference with football, that football can kind of work with jumpers, whereas True. basketball, you sort of need that. You can, you can but I mean, I, I started playing with just a basketball and a drive. You know mm. I mean, like, actually, most of good basketball, like good football, is like understanding the fundamentals and so having dribbling and stuff control. and hence becoming a, yeah. a point guard, I suppose. I agree. The, that approach. Well, I'm also I'm only five foot ten, so uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, my my options are pretty limited. <laughs> well, that's a, a genetic aptitude as well. It's hard work, but also like exactly that's a sporting. Like, is actually sometimes you can only do certain things with with what you've got. Tell us about how we can follow you because you mentioned the NBA. They've been hailed as uh, particularly a uh, good user of social media to promote promote their sport and you've done that with 11FS and so it's interesting your character on social media as well because you're a little bit more punchy than perhaps in person you're very laid back and, and convivial but you sort of like to put out some some messages to, to inform other people of your, your, your position because you get to a certain age like we get to and you start to have a little bit of experience and, and insight don't you? Yeah I mean I, I always sort of find it's um, you know we're not we're not sort of shy of really saying what we think uh, mm. and actually from from our perspective there's real change that's needed and you don't do that passively you know you've got to be pretty uh, pretty forceful about making things happen and we believe in what we're trying to do therefore we'll be quite forceful in making it happen but um, you know as far as you can find us at 11fs.com in terms of the company me personally you can find me at david Brewer on twitter yeah brilliant we're kind of and there's documentary as well is is available through your twitter as well isn't it i've watched yeah i mean if, there. if you want to check that out it's on um 11 years.film mm. uh, it's super interesting we brought together you know, some of the biggest CEOs, the regulator, the Bank of England. Someone working for Barack Obama as well, which I found really interesting. Yeah, lady, yeah. she was fantastic. I mean, she flew over from Washington specifically to do that interview just to, just to hang out and put forward what happened. And I mean, there was just some, a real great sort of pull together. I mean, in, it's had, I think, just over 150,000 people watch it on YouTube fantastic. now. Which, uh, it's high you know, quality as well, but you've invested in the media side of it, haven't you? That's important to you guys. Yeah, I think there's a, I mean, if you're, if you're going to create good content, I think there's a, there's a sort of a narrative you've got to do around that. So we, it's become so much more important to us as well that, I mean, we're sitting in a studio right now, yeah. you know, we've kind of built these things out to, to, to make it 
uh, have that sense of quality with it. Um, but it's been so important to us. You know, we we probably wouldn't be the brands that we are or have had the success that we've had without really getting out there because you know we're competing with organisations that have got way more money and way more people and you know have been around for way longer. Therefore, you don't get to change the industry mm. by just doing what everybody else has done. Yeah, and it's about connection, isn't it? I think that expanding your network, you realise that's, that's so useful now in social media, that's real positive. And we're recording now on smartphones, technology gets a, a downplay sometimes and a bit of negativity, but I think I've connected with you and other people through social media, it's fantastic. Final thought for people out there, and, and for me maybe, but financial tips, people up in the air about Brexit, scared and things like that, is, is saving the, the general tip or is it investing? What's your, your take on things? I mean, oh man, how long you got on the no, Brexit we'll side just, yeah. I mean, on the, how, on, how would you do it? On the Brexit side of things, I think it's like, we just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know whether it's actually going to happen. Uh, we don't know really what it means when it does happen, if it does happen. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I'd say it's kind of a wait and see. I think, um, you know, since 2008, I think people have been a lot more self-aware about actually being a bit more frugal about what's happening. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a very good tension to have, you know, being a bit more self-aware of, uh, you know, maybe not spending all of, the, all of the money before you've got it. And or, six times your salary mortgage maybe is as yeah, nice as the house might be. It is, but um, but it's going to get you into trouble. So, I mean, I'm pretty old-fashioned. Don't spend money, spend money you don't have. Yeah, that's interesting. It's more of a message that's coming through. David, been a pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much. It's David Breer from uh, 11FS. Do check him out on uh, social media, guys. So I'm on there, Ed Draper, 21 as well, sports broadcaster in the UK. A little bit of sport and life and, and business and, and fintech there. Hope you enjoyed that. Rate it on iTunes if you did. Thank you. <laughs>